Hello, everyone, and welcome to Radio Free Menga episode 10. Dun, dun, dun. Yep, 10 episodes. No intro music in this one, and I will uh, explain to you why that is in a moment. Now, for the YouTube crowd that never goes outside of YouTube and video games, yes, there have. The, this is the 10th episode of Radio Free Menga, and if you want to listen to the other episodes, there are annotation links in the video that you're watching this to just listen to audio with, where you can subscribe to it on iTunes. This is also available as an MP3. All Radio Free Menga episodes are available for free to download as an MP3 to your cell phone or iPod Touch or uh, Android, iPhone, whatever you got, or computer, laptop, I don't care, whatever you use. So if you want to download and listen to this outside of YouTube... No problem. There's the iTunes and the uh, standalone MP3. And everyone knows how to play MP3s, so I don't think I have to walk you through that. And you don't have to convert this video into an MP3. You don't have to do any of that nonsense. So why have not... Eh, try to say that again. Why have I not been posting Radio Free Menga episodes to YouTube? Mainly because of uh, copyright concerns, to avoid the copyright cops. Because it, you'll notice in the previous episodes I used... Uh, clips of songs, and although there is this belief you can use a 30-second clip of any song in a YouTube video, I don't even think you can do that anymore, because if you do, Google comes up and says, Hey, don't do that. What the fuck? <laughs> and yeah, that kind of sucks. So this one has no music, which means I can post it without worry of the copyright cops coming down on my sorry ass, since there's no music in it. So, anyway, that being said, the topic of this podcast is, what is a record company's actual job, and why you should never get a record contract? <laughs> now, before I explain that, I will give you a story. It's a short story, but a good one nonetheless. It happened about, I'd say, close to ten years ago at this point, maybe uh, seven, eight years ago. It was back when I was living in New England in Connecticut. Okay, so I'm at this tattoo shop with a friend. No, I do not have any tattoos, but I have friends that do. And uh, there was this bass player, work, a former bass player, working there as one of the tattoo artists, and we got to talking. And it turns out he was in a metal band, yes, a metal band, that actually got signed and toured. So I was uh, chatting with him about it, and I said, well, what happened? How come you're not, like, still touring or whatever? So he tells me the story. The story is this. The band goes out on tour, fully signed, the whole nine yards, and at the end of it, the money was gone. From all the ticket sales, from all this other stuff, whatever, the record company basically sucked it all dry, screwed the band over, and uh, what happened was the bass player at the end of the tour sold every single piece of gear he had, ev everything, and managed to come out of a tour with about 500 bucks in his pocket. That was the fruits of his labor. 500 measly bucks. That's it. 
So if you think you're going to go out, get a record contract, and then tour and be a millionaire, oh, how wrong you are. Then he told me about the singer who actually ended up owing something like ten grand. Yeah, he ended up owing money after the tour was over. He didn't tell me about the rest of the band members. He didn't have to because it was the same sob story all around. Getting a record contract is a dumb idea. You should not even bother with it when you can do it yourself, which I will explain in a moment. So, now, what is the job of a record company? Because I mentioned that before, and I will answer that now. What is the job? What do they, or to be more specific, what do they do? What's the point of a record company even existing? Two reasons, and only two. Promotion and distribution. That's it. That is all a record company does. That's all they've ever done. So, the promotion, which means advertising. It means that you set up a tour and, uh, or, you know, a, a string of gigs, so to speak, and you spend money on advertising to promote the band so that people show up and buy tickets and merchandise so that the band actually comes out of the gig making money. So that's the promotions part. The distribution is something that's almost irrelevant now. The distribution simply means, well, the original definition of it meant to distribute records to record stores. So the record companies would have deals with all the little record stores around the country, and they would send, oh, here's a new artist, here's, well, take these uh, records. And they would spend money to make sure that the records they sent out were front and center in these record stores so that people saw them first when they entered the store. Okay, that makes sense. And then later on, it turned from LPs to uh, and vinyl to tape, or compact cassette. And then uh, there were other formats in the mix, uh, and then during the tenure of that, and then came the final version of that, CDs. I don't even know why CDs are still being sold anymore, but they are. So anyway, that's where it ended. It's still being used today, but that was the last format, is the CD. Okay, so started with records moved over to compact cassette, and then, I mean, yeah, you had 8-track and a couple other weird formats in there, and uh, that really weird one called Quadraphonic. If you don't know what that is, look it up on YouTube. It's actually quite interesting. It's actually four-channel, you know, that's why Quad, four, Quadraphonic Stereo, which is actually kind of neat. Uh, didn't take off, though. But anyway, there was that, and then finally the, uh, the compact cassette and the CD. Okay, so, promotion distribution you know what the two what those two things are now in the promotion part of it also later when MTV came into existence in the 1980s included television advertising as well so you had and uh, also radio advertising for shows any promotion has basically anything to do with the exposure of the band and it was the record company's job in order to promote the artist so that Ultimately, the band makes money and the record company makes money. Well, actually, it's in reverse. It did it so that the record company makes money and takes a huge cut. And then the band gets something like a piddly 2 or 5% at the end of it. Now, if you sell a million records, actually, what is going gold? I think it's 100,000 records sold. That's a, That's going gold. And I'm not sure... I think a million is platinum. 
I'm not exactly sure, but anyway, it's so if let's just say you get a, a platinum record, even if you're making a crappy two percent, okay, you're do you're living large because you've got a bunch of money now and from uh, deals and and then you get endorsements afterwards with big name companies, uh, like sports guys do that all the time. They they work endorsements with like Nike and Adidas and you, you've seen that too. So the combination of that 2% you get from, or 2 to 5% you get from the record company, uh, which is your commission, basically, combined with the endorsements, means you made a lot of money. But that's all gone now. Because the record companies don't have any money. Because the distribution power is so much less since the internet came around. And if you haven't realized it by now, you, you do at this moment, where you can say, you know... Why would I even bother getting a record contract if I only get a piddly little percentage on commission when I could just simply promote myself? Now you're getting it. And I mentioned this in one of my last podcasts. If you were willing to spend, if you set aside like $5,000 and if you put $1,000 a month, we'll say 6000 just to make it even six months, $1,000 a month, into advertising in your local area where you blitzed everywhere. You did print advertising, uh, like in the paper. You did uh, not only the paper, but also on uh, maybe billboard if you could afford it. Not a big billboard. they got smaller ones you can afford. Uh, in other places, maybe some radio advertising, which surprisingly still does work to this day. And no internet advertising, excuse me, bleh, no internet advertising because that's fairly worthless, but uh, at least for musicians. But if you put advertising into print and radio and if if you could afford it, television, not in a thousand dollars a month you couldn't, but if you could, maybe you can get a television interview or something like that. And I'm not talking like internet TV, that's that's a piece of crap. I'm talking real TV, you know, the old old school TV. So if you're willing to put a thousand dollars a month into your band for promotion just a thousand bucks and you're like man that's a lot of money no not really because see here's the thing if you line up say three gigs a month and you put a thousand dollars into promo you'll probably sell out the house each time so if you sell out the house each time and you pull in with tips and everything like five hundred dollars a gig okay then a thousand dollars a month doesn't sound too bad does it because if you get three gigs at five hundred dollars a gig that's fifteen hundred dollars you come out $500 ahead. Now, granted, you split that between the four band members or three or whatever, and it's going to suck at first because you're not going to make that much after all the promo, but the word gets out, right? The word is getting out about your band. You're promoting, you're doing the thing. Now, if you had done this with the same thing with a record company, uh, you you wouldn't get the, the first base. No way. No freaking way. They would have put a little effort into promoting you because they don't want to really spend that much money, maybe spend a couple hundred bucks a month on you, A, won't do nothing. But if you do it, you promo yourself, and you just spread the word, then you can do it. And you can make a good amount of coin playing gigs. And if a lot of people know who you are, even just locally, it is totally possible to pull between, get even $1,000 a gig. And people say, no, that's impossible. No, possible totally possible if bands knew how to market if they just put in a modicum of effort a tiny amount of effort into actually genuine promo 
you would be the top band in the area in a very short period of time. To hell with Reverb Nation, to hell with Band Mix, to hell with all these internet sites and whoring yourself out that way. Get to the people. And the way you get to the people is by promoting in your local area. Because first of all, you can afford the gas to drive to the local, local gigs, right? Right, okay. You can afford the gas. You know uh, the local publications that are around and near you. You know all the local shopkeepers, or at least know of them. Now, as I'm saying this to you, you probably got a few ideas spinning in your head saying, yeah, you know, I could really, um, I could, I could promote myself. And that would actually work. Yeah, it would work. It would work. So all you have to do is get a gig. And it doesn't have to be really a, what they call a quality gig. It could be a freaking Grange Hall, a VFW. It doesn't matter. What matters is that the people know about the gig and then you uh, make sure to play the gig, stuff that house, fill it up, break out the tip bucket. Believe me, tip jar matters. And chances are you'll probably walk away with about three to 500 bucks per gig. And the goal, of course, is to make back your $1,000 that you spent for the month. And then, now, the more gigs that you do, and put it this way, anyone can do three gigs a month. That's not hard to do. If you're going to do more than that, four, well, that might be a bit of a stretch for some people. But to do three, not a problem. So you do your gigs, and you do your promo. And I know I make it sound so easy. It's because it is easy. You have to. I said this in one of my other podcasts. You have to stop thinking like a musician and start thinking like an entertainer. So if you think like an entertainer, then you realize that you, your band, is a product that needs to be sold, and you need to sell that product. And the way to sell that product is to make people aware of it, and how do you make people aware of it? You advertise the frickin' thing. Not rocket science, people. It's not rocket science. Now, of course, some of you may say, well, Rich, how come you're not doing it? I'll tell you exactly why, because uh, musicians in Tampa Bay, for the large part, are morons. I have tried so hard. Okay, there have been several people that have said to me, Man, you know, as good of a guitar player as you are, and this is coming from other people, not me. They say, man, as good of a guitar player as you are, how come you're not selling out houses? How come you're not doing Hmm. Good question. I have a great answer. As I said a moment ago, Tampa Bay musicians, most of them are morons. I could, no joke, if I could find the right people. Because to be blunt honest, I am actually fairly easy to work with. I, I don't bark orders. I really don't. I, I All I want is a drummer that can keep time, a bass player that can knows how to tune his freaking guitar and keep time, a singer that can hold a note properly, and people that have at least an idea of how to have a stage presence. And I'm not talking doing backflips and jumping around, and whether although that is cool to do that, just not standing there like a boring piece of shit. I have not been able to find those people yet. Now, when I get on stage, for the few times that I have, and I have done it, I stomp my feet. I move around. I give people something to look at. I'm not one of those stupid shredder types, and I'm sorry to shredders, but you do this. You know exactly what I'm talking about from what I'm about to describe. They stand there perfectly still, staring at their shoes. 
or should I say staring at their fretboards. Because what they're doing is so complicated, they can't jump around. They can't look into the crowd. They can't do anything. All they're doing is shredding, and that's boring. Oh, that is so unbelievable. That's no show. So I keep telling shredders over and over again, stop shredding, start riffing. Give something people to bang their heads to. They want to do it. No one can bang head to a shredding solo. No one. Because there's no beat to it. That's all you're doing. There's no beat. There's nothing. All you got is this million miles of notes of nothing but noise. It's just noise after that. You need to work on riffs. And if you get the riffs, it's like, okay, that should be the first thought that goes through your mind. Can you bang your head to this? This riff? Okay, I can bang my head. Oh, that works. Yep. If you can bang your head to it, you're doing okay. And the more head-banging stuff you've got, the better metal band, excuse me, the better of a band for metal. Let me try saying that again. I can't talk today. The better of a metal band you are. Headbang, headbang, headbang. That's what it's about. So if you try doing this off-time bullshit, whatever, neo-prog rock, whatever, there's a reason no one ever remembers those bands. It's because you can't bang your head to it. There's nothing memorable about their songs whatsoever. You have to get into that head-banging mode. And like I said, entertain. Stop being a musician, start being an entertainer. Anyway, sorry, I went a little tirade about metal guys there, because a lot of them, actually a lot of them, all of them do it wrong. And I just told you how to do it right. So so if you do that, I mean, how hard... Okay, you know what? I'll say this. Uh, I, I'll end this podcast actually on the metal band thing because a lot of people that listen to my show actually are into metal. Okay. How hard is it to be the best metal band where you live? Not hard at all. Because the vast majority of the metal bands, local metal bands you know in your area, know nothing about promo or advertising. Nothing at all. You could literally be the top metal band where you live the first gig. Oh, yeah. You could totally do it. You have to establish a plan. You have to say, okay, we're going to play here, here, and here, three gigs for this month. We're going to set them up. We're going to put a thousand dollars of promo, which means if you divide that by three, that's about three, three hundred and thirty-three dollars per gig. Okay, we'll just say, uh, we'll just round it, uh, we'll say nine hundred, three hundred per gig. Okay. So, anyway, so about three hundred dollars in advertising per gig. Where are we going to advertise? You have to research that to say, okay, how much does it cost to put, um, to get a newspaper ad? where people actually will see it and it's not buried somewhere. How much does it cost for radio promotion? How much does it, and you say, well, why would I do a radio promotion? Okay, good question. I have a good answer for you. There are, the best time to advertise on radio is the three times of the day. The morning commute, the midday break, which is lunch, and the, uh, the, dr- the evening commute drive home. There are a lot of people, tons and tons and tons of people, that do listen to radio. They do. And if you promote yourself properly, 
Now, granted, those three times of the day are the most expensive times to advertise because the radio stations know that 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 they're that's the most traffic, as in listener traffic, on the those given times during the day. So you say, all right, well, who are you advertising to? You're advertising basically to the parents of the kids, which is not a bad thing because the parents are the ones that have the money, not the kids. And the parent, and if you say, hey, we're doing a metal show, all ages show. So if you say all a, oh, okay, great. Then you don't have to be 21 to get in. Right. Exactly. And if you can get yourself gigs like that, uh, excuse me, set up gigs like that, how hard is it to be the best metal band in the area? It's like, like I said, you could do it first gig. And if possible, well, let me tell you, put, put it to you this way. If you're in high school, man, are you lucky? Because I would plaster posters all over the, Freaking school. Yeah, you may get in trouble for it. Who cares? I'd do it anyway. There's people that put up posters all the time. If you're in a metal band, you're in high school. My God, that's the best part. All those people? That's amazing. You know how many metal bands would love to get into that kind of market and you're right in the middle of it? Oh, that's amazing. Posters everywhere. Go to every single locker and stuff a postcard in it saying, hey, got a gig, got a gig, got a gig. Print up. (laughs) <laughs> 3,000, 5,000 postcards, you know, the ones that fit through the little slits in the lockers, just all the way down, and just keep doing it. And like I said, just some of the administration staff will give you crap for doing that. Who cares? Do it. Get all those people down there, all of them to go to your all-ages show. Promo, promo the crap out of it. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, if... I could trust a teenager, which is kind of hard to do, I admit. I would actually pay him. I would. I would pay him $200 to do that. I would say, okay, this is your mission. You take this these thousand postcards, which will fit through a slit in a locker. You put them in every single locker. Now, of course, I have no way to check the weather to see whether he actually did it or not. Okay, but I'm sure I could figure out a way, but I can't think of one off the top of my head. But if I could trust that teenager to do it, I would say, okay. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I'd hire two or three of them and pay them. Like, they probably even do it for a 100 bucks. I said, okay, just fill every locker with this postcard, and you'll be the talk of the school. And then everyone will go to the gig. Well, maybe not everyone, but you know some would. They'd be like, oh, hey, cool, a metal band. Nice. Let's go check them out. All ages show, yeah, and do it, and then charge like a ridiculously low price to get into the gig, like a dollar, maybe two at the most. Don't charge five bucks. Don't do that. As a matter of fact, if possible, charge nothing for the just for the exposure. Do it as a free gig, and make sure to set out the tip jar in front of the stage, saying, "Hey, if you like what we do, throw a buck into the jar, into the bucket." And believe me, people will. I've seen bands that collect even as much as 500 bucks just in tips. So if you wanted to know how to make money from a free gig, that's how you do it. Tip jar. Do it. How long have I been going on for? Oh, almost 25 minutes. I'm at the 23-minute mark. So I'll end it here. So thank you for listening to Radio Free Menga. Remember, this is on iTunes. So you can listen to this on my blog at Menga. Well, I'll just end it like this. My name is Rich Menga. I have a blog at Rich... <laughs> Uh, try this again. My name is Rich Menga. I have a blog at www.menga.net. 
You can email me at rich at menga.net. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash richmenga. Follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash richmenga. And now I am doing this on YouTube as well. So youtube.com slash rmenga. Why rmenga? That's all I could think of back in the day. It just seemed right. Oh, you know why I chose rmenga? Because menga was taken. I don't even know who owns that, and I was pissed. Because I was like, oh, man, someone got it before me. So I chose RMenga. That's why. So that's it. Um, if you like it, let me know. Or even if you don't like it, let me know. Thanks. Take it easy.